Well, hey, welcome to week two of The Harbor. Um, super, super excited about tonight and having you guys with us and then just where we're going this week. Um, if you're new, if this is your first time here, I know we had welcomed you earlier, but seriously, we mean every word of that and are thrilled that you're here, thrilled that you're a part. And so if, if I've not had the chance to meet you, if we don't know each other's names, that needs to change tonight because I want to get to know you. I want to get to know where you go to school. I want to get to know just things about you um, because you matter. And so I want to make sure that you feel like you have a part here, that you have a place here. And so if we've not met, I'd love for that to change by the end of the night. So just come find me afterwards. I'll be on the lookout for you as well so that we can connect. So my ask is that you just help me help you get connected because you belong here. And I want you to make sure that you know that you have a place, that you have friends, that you have a home. And that is our, that is our desire here is that this is a place where you can be you. You don't have to be with somebody else. You don't have to worry about any of that. Um, and so if you have been here the last couple of weeks, you know that last week we kicked off a new series. Does anyone want to take a wild guess at what that series is? Accuracy. That's right. Accuracy. The theme is accuracy. And the point of accuracy is to look at the next five weeks and make sure that let's take a look at like, do we have an accurate view of God? And what does that mean? What does it mean to have an accurate view of God? And so last week, does anyone remember what we talked about? There was a big key word. Yes, ma'am. We, the word was omniscience. We looked at who is God, but we looked at God's, this theme of God is omniscient, which means God is all-knowing. And so we, after knowing like, who God is and what does that mean for you, what does that mean for me, we have a response to that. And so this week, we're looking at who is God and science. So has anyone asked that question before? Do God and science coexist? Do they complement each other or do they contradict each other? Has anyone ever asked that before? It's a question that I've asked. Yeah, show of hands. Who's, who's asked that? It's a big, big question. It's an important question to be able to answer as well. It's because I know you guys learn one thing in school and in our society, and they have very strong opinions about this God and science. And then you read your Bible, and then you come to church, and you learn another thing about God and science. And so you're forced with this question. What is true? What am I to believe? What do, can God and science both coexist? Can they complement one another, or do they contradict each other? And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. And so now that you know where we're going, I want to kick us off with a story. All right, you guys ready? There's an atheist walking through the woods, and he was admiring all the accidents that evolution had created. What majestic trees, what powerful rivers, what beautiful animals, he said to himself. As he was walking alongside the river, he looked, and he heard a rustling in the bushes behind him. Turning around, he saw a seven-foot grizzly bear chasing after him. He ran as fast as he could up the hill. He looked over his shoulder and saw the grizzly was closing in on him. Somehow he ran even faster, so scared that tears came to his eyes. And he looked again and the bear was even closer. His heart was pounding and he tried to run even faster. And in doing so, he tripped and fell to the ground and he rolled over to pick himself up as fast as he could. But the bear was right over him, reaching for him with his left paw and rising his right to strike. And in the instant, the atheist cried, oh, God, help! And time stopped. The bear froze. The forest was silent. Even the river stopped. A bright light shone from the sky and said, you deny my existence for all these years. and You teach others that I don't exist. And you even credit my creation to this cosmic accident. Do you expect me to help you out in this predicament? Am I to count you as a believer? And the atheist looked back up into the sky, into the light, and he said, I would feel like a hypocrite to become a Christian 
after all these years. But perhaps you can make the bear a Christian? Well, very well, said the voice. And the light went out, the river ran, the sounds of the forest resumed. And then the bear dropped his right paw and brought both paws together and bowed his head and prayed, Lord, thank you for this food in which I'm about to devour. I am truly grateful. <laughs> I, I saw that story and I was like, that's, how, that's really, really comical. Um, and I know it's, it's obviously fiction, but it brings up a couple of good points that I wanted to talk about tonight. And that is this idea of God, science, and creation. Three really, really big topics that you have to deal with in your schools, in, your, like in our culture, in your everyday life. These are answers that you need to have. And so it's vital that we have an accurate view of what is true. So here we go. We're going to dive on in. And to start, I just want you to think about the complexities of creation, right? Because I know you guys know the evolutionary argument. I mean, you guys are fed that and you have to you've tested on it and you have to respond to that. So I'm not going to dig into evolution in itself because I know you know a lot about it already. But so I just want you to think about the complexities of creation, all right? I want all eyes up here. All eyes up here tonight. Think about the galaxies. Think about the planets. Think about the stars, the sun, the moon, oxygen. The things that we interact with on a regular basis that we don't even think about because it's so common. I want you to think about the various plants and animals on both land and sea. I want you to think about humans. Did you think about you? Did you think about me? Within each of these things, there's there's impeccable detail. Think about it. Think about the complexities of creation. There is impeccable detail in every single one of these things. Detail so specific and so purposeful, but yet evolution tells us that it all happened by chance. That it all like was an accident. That out of nothing came something, and out of that something, somehow, some way, that nothing to something, that something came about a, an atomic combustion now that we know is the Big Bang, created it all. That's, that's the, the basis of evolution from the starting point. Yet we still deal with the complexities of, of the planets, of the galaxies, of the moon, of the sun, of earth. How do we explain that? And so to start, I just want to think about water. I've got my bottle over here. I just want you to think about water is the, one of the most common things to us. Are we, is everyone clear on that? I mean, it's literally, water is as basic as it gets, right? Is water wet? Okay. Water. Water is a powerful, powerful tool. And this is why, despite it being colorless, odorless, tasteless, we can't live without it. Nothing, no living thing can live without water. And you probably know this, you probably learned it in science class. Like our bodies are made up of two-thirds water. Did y'all know that? Yeah. It's, an, it's crazy to think about. And so I want us to take, us just a, a, take a few minutes to look at the complexities of water, something that we are so common, commonly familiar with, and look at how detailed water, water is, something that we rely on day after day after day. So check it. Water itself has a crazy margin between its boiling point and freezing point. I know you guys know that, right? I mean, that doesn't come to a surprise, but have you ever asked why? Well, this is why there's such a drastic margin between its boiling and freezing point. Water allows us to live in an environment of fluctuating temperature changes. And you guys, we all experience that. We have 100 degree summers and we have 20 degree, I don't know, I got wet somehow, some way. Uh, 100 degree summers and 30 degree, 20 degree winters. 
And yet our body temperatures stay the same. That's because of water. The water in our bodies keep us temperate. Water also is a universal solvent. Does anyone know what that means? I didn't either. Don't worry. Okay, we got, we got a few. We have a few people. I had to check it out. But, it, but this is the deal about universal solvent is that this, the property of water means that it's various chemicals, minerals, and nutrients can be carried through our bodies into the smallest blood vessels there are. Like, that's crazy. The thing, like, water can take all shapes, all sizes, and even attach itself and enter into the smallest blood vessels in our bodies. That's water. A couple other things about water. It also has a unique surface tension. Everyone ever wondered how, like, the tallest trees in the world get nutrients? Water. Water is the answer. Yes. No, water is the only thing that I could think of that I know that defies gravity. Like, elements of water will move upwards into the plants. And I know you guys learned that in science. But this is a really big deal. This is part of the granularity of, of nature, of science, of creation. And so water brings life and nutrients into these tallest of trees. Last one, and it's a really big deal, but 97% of our earth's water is in, does anybody know? Nope, oceans, somebody said it. It is in oceans. And oceans aren't drinkable. We know that. We drink enough ocean water, we die. And so here's the deal about water. Is that despite 97% of our water being in oceans, our earth has a system designed in which removes the salt from water. And that's called evaporation. And I know like, it's so common that we don't even think about how like crazy this actually is. But even in evaporation, it disperses the water, leaves the, or disperses the salt, leaves the salt in the ocean, takes the water, forms clouds, wind blows the clouds all over the world, dumps rain all over the world once again to give nutrients to the plants, the animals, and to us. This is water. It's crazy, simple. Like we look at this and I'm like, I don't, I've never wondered like, oh, I bet this, like, yes, I know it keeps me alive, but organic, organic water. Yes, I'd like a tall glass of organic water, please. No, but here's the deal. Water is such like, a crazy, crazy example. And just one of literally any that point back to God being the creator of the universe. And so it just doesn't happen by chance. I mean, we could literally look at the eyeball. We could look at the fingerprints. We could look at our brains. We could look at the planets. Literally anything, and it's going to leave you with one op- really one option to say, how does this exist? How did this come about? And it'll only point you back to a creator. I promise you that. So what are we to do with the conundrum? I mean, you guys know science. Y'all take it every day. Y'all probably know science better than I do, honestly. But you guys deal with it every day. So what are we to do with this like creation conflict, right? Well, I believe, honestly, I believe it's, this is the biggest question of the night. So I want all eyes like checked in right here because this is important for you to be able to answer. To be able to look at this and look at the question that we're asking tonight is can God and science both coexist? The question you need to ask is what is true? What is truth? It's as simple as that because I believe that knowing truth is the most valuable thing in the world. You got that? Knowing truth is the most valuable thing in the world. And so I I want us to put the evolutionary argument on hold for just a moment and want us to look at the creation account. So we're going to spend some time in Genesis 1. So if you were to open your Bibles, if you were to open your Bibles from the very first page, the very first word written in Scripture relates back to this answer. And this is what we find in Genesis 1.1. 
It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So instead of wondering how everything came about, scripture literally answers that question for us. It says, God, God created it all. And the more you read, the more you read Genesis, this first chapter of the entire Bible, and I know this can be big, it can be intimidating, it can be daunting, and you don't know where to start sometimes. But opening to the very first page of this book answers these questions that you're asking in regards to our our creator. And so God, God created it all. And the more you read, the more you'll learn that there's little to no room for the evolutionary account because of what we see in a few verses later. Genesis 1.21 says, God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves according to its kind. It's a big deal. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. What it doesn't say is that God created an atom, that created a, a tadpole, that created a turtle, that created a bird, that created a little dragon, that created a human. That's not what we see here. It says that God created each creature, living creature, to its own kind. So dogs were created to be dogs. Birds were created to be birds. And there is no ifs or buts about it. That's what its own kind means. And if you look just a few verses later, we see in Genesis 1.27 that God created man in his own image. In the image of him, he created him, or in, the, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So not only are man and woman created differently than any other component of creation, they're created in God's image. Like that is the creation account of man. Not the billions and billions of years of evolution to the point of an ape to a man. And so now that you know this side of the creation story, this is the Genesis 1 account, I want you all to think back to the complexities of creation. Because this isn't, like, literally this is crazy. When you look at the complexities of the earth, now all eyes up here. I don't need you talking to neighbors. I don't want you touching anybody else. I want you locked in because this is the big question we're dealing with tonight. Is that regardless of your faith, regardless of where you stand on this creation side of things tonight, I want you to hear this is that even scientists, scientists coming from all different backgrounds, all different races, all different faiths, all different cultures agree on this one thing. Is that we live in a universe full of complexities. There's no ifs or buts about it, that is fact. And you can ask any any one of them you wanted, no matter what background that they carry, regardless of what their worldview is, they will tell you that our world is complex. And it's in its complexity that they all agree that its precision is so great that that to alter many of the parameters, even minutely, even just a smidget, would destroy life as we know it. I know that sounds like a doomsday kind of thing, but it literally is. And maybe you've heard this argument. Maybe Maybe you've heard this before. But here's the reality about the earth, is that if we were to move just a degree further away from where we sit today, our earth would freeze. We would all freeze to death. There would be no earth. If our earth was to move just a degree closer to the sun, we would burn up. Once again, there would be no earth. We would be in flames. Like that's the reality of just, just a tiny little detail of a degree. You know how small a degree is? Like that is what our, what, that's our reality of the world we live in. And yet evolution tells us that it's just by chance. That we just happen to land in this specific spot in this specific way with so many particulars and complexities that just happen to come about in such a perfectionistic way. And I just don't buy it. I don't believe that's what we read in scripture. I don't believe that it adds up. 
in fact, I believe that this side of creation, that these complexities, that these details, that these exactness of creation are more of an evidence that life was created by a divine creator and not by accident. And so I want you to hear this quote from a famous scientist. He started his entire career as an atheist. And as a scientist, he was a physicist and a mathematician. And this is what he said. Do not be afraid to be free thinkers. If you think strongly enough, you will be forced by science to the belief in God, which is the foundation of all religion. You will find science not antagonistic, but helpful to religion. This is a man who didn't have any desire to know God, didn't have any desire to be known by God, to believe in God. He literally got into the field of science and physics to disprove God using science. And yet the longer he studied, the more he saw evidence for there being a God because the world is too complex and too specific and too detailed for it not to have any other way to exist other than there being a God who created everything that we see. So guys, I want all eyes up here. I want everyone off their phones. I want everyone like all locked in right here. And so maybe you're thinking, maybe, okay, if God's all like, if I get the Bible, I get the God thing, like, and God, I know God's all powerful. And so maybe you're thinking, well, maybe God could create evolution to be the way that we, like the world was created, right? Because that makes sense. There's God, he's all powerful. He can do whatever he wants. And so to that argument, this is my, what I would say, is that theoretically, yes, God could have. God could have made evolution to be the tool that the earth was informed and moved on because God is all powerful and God can do whatever he wants. But here's the argument, like the counter to that. And this is where the issues come in with that argument is the biggest thing that I would say to that argument is the problem of death. It's because in evolution, we have billions and billions of years of life and death. We have the survival of the fittest. We have things taking place over and we have lots and lots of things taking place. And death is a part of that. But when, when that reality, it completely contradicts what we see in scripture. And so in John Romans 5, 12, we see this. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death, through, death spread to all men because all sinned. See, there was no such thing as death in the Garden of Eden. When God created man, we see in the creation account of, of what had took place in six days. We see that man was sinless. We see that man was perfect. He was in unity with God as they were walking through the garden together. Death was an unknown. It was something that didn't even, wasn't even a comprehension. And so this is what we know to be true is that death was a result of man's sin. Death came about because of what took place when they disobeyed God. But in the evolutionary account, that's, death is just continuous. It's all part of existence. It's all part of life. And so to counter the idea that God used evolution, we see that the scripture contradicts each other and scripture doesn't contradict one another. And so here's point number two, is the sheer textual affirmation of the creation account in Genesis 1 that we just covered. The sheer textual affirmation, knowing that God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, that God created every living being of its own kind, that God created man in his own image. Like the actual affirmation of what scripture says about creation is totally, totally different than what the evolution account has to say. And Psalm 102 says this, in the beginning, you being God laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hand. And here's the argument number three about God not being, not using evolution as his way to create the earth. It's that man was, the way man was created. See, God formed man, this is what scripture has to tell us, that God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And he became a living soul. So it doesn't sound like God used billions and billions of years to get to man. We see that God not only created man in his own image, 
but then he breathes life into his nostrils. And then lastly, intuitively, it's hard to buy the argument simply because of the complexities of the things that we just talked about earlier on. The complexities of the moon, of the sun, of the planets, of the galaxies, of of water, of all things. The complexities of this, you think it's by accident? You think this is just by one chance that from nothing came something and all of this came to be? I don't think so. So I want you to ask yourself this question. What is true? So once again, knowing truth is the most valuable thing you will ever experience and know in your entire life. And this is what our Bible tells us, that God created us. It's as simple as that. And not only did God create us, but he numbered the stars in the skies. He formed you in your mother's womb. He numbered your days and he made you in his own image. Like this is our God, the creator of our universe, the creator and the maker of of you, of me. So not only do I believe that the evidence of science points powerfully and persuasively towards there being a God, the creator of the universe, but that evidence aligns with what scripture has to say. Science will never, ever, ever contradict the Bible. Never has, never will. And I want all of you to hear that too, because that's part of the argument that you're gonna hear when you come out, have a, cross, have a conversation with someone about creation and evolution. They were like, well, the Bible says that God created the world. Well, then they're gonna say, well, who created God, right? That's a whole nother sermon for another, not a whole nother message for another night. But you're gonna be asked questions. You're gonna need, be, have a need to defend what you believe and why you believe it. And so I want you to know that science will never be a reason to contradict what is written here or what you to believe about God. In fact, science will only continue to affirm who God is and who he's made us to be. And that's to know and to worship him. And so as we close out, like literally we're coming to an end here with the argument for evolution. And I want all eyes up here because I know you guys are fed this day in, day out. That evolution without God is incompatible with creation, with God himself, and with Christianity. I'm gonna read that again. And you can look on the screen just to read it with me. But evolution without God is incompatible with creation, with God, and with Christianity. There is no both. So as we close out, I want, I want you to ask yourself, like you did last week, what is true? The band's gonna come up and I'm gonna pray us out. But I want you to ask yourself, what do I believe is true about God, about the Bible, and about creation? So we're told a lot of different things and your textbook tells you one thing and your Bible tells you another. What do I believe about this creation story? And lastly, what do I need to do in response? Because maybe, maybe, you maybe you're questioning yourself. Maybe you're wondering if, do I have it wrong? And so what do you need to do in response? Because this is what the Bible teaches, that he said that you are made with a purpose. You are not an accident. You did not happen by chance. But each and every one of you has a purpose, has a soul. And this is what the big deal that you are created by God to be in a relationship with him. You aren't made just to live your life and to die. That's a sad, sad life. That's a sad reality. And so I'm gonna pray for us right here. And as I pray, I want you to pray and ask yourself, what is true? What is true about creation? What is true about God? And what do I need to do in response? God, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the creators, everything that we see and experience in this life that is so beautiful, that is so grand, that is so full of joy. God, I can't explain why I look at a mountain range and I'm blown away by your majesty. 
I can't explain why I look at a sunset and say, I'm speechless. God, you are the creator of it all. And I thank you. And I pray as we battle this, this idea, the thing, these lies, these things that we're told on a regular basis to, to exclude you from reality. God, that we will stand firm on who you have made us to be and the truth that we have in you. God, I pray that we will fight for, fight for truth. And in that, that we will respond if we find ourselves in a, in, in the, being in the wrong place and believing in the things that aren't of, of you, God. And that we will turn towards seeing that you are the creator, that you're the giver of good gifts and that you have made us with a purpose and that's to know and to worship you, even in creation. God, we love you and we give you tonight. Amen.